1: Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by site co-experts Lucas Johnson and Chris Klein. Welcome to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host,
0: Lucas Johnson, with my co-host, Christopher, as well as our special guest today, Uriah. Chris, how are you doing today?
2: Doing well, Lucas. And once again, we'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. Wherever you are listening, whether you're on your way to work, whether you're stuck in the house like us, if you're, out on a, if you're out on a jog, wherever you are, we do really appreciate y'all tuning in. You can always give us a like or subscribe on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, wherever you are listening. And we are excited to bring you some more Sixers content today.
0: Most definitely, Chris, and you know we spent, mentioned uh, you mentioned Uriah at the very beginning here, and Uriah is one of our contributors, and actually Uriah has decided has graciously decided to come on as our technical support for our podcast moving forward. So Uriah will also be coming in in case either Chris or myself are unable to record for any particular reason, scheduling conflict or otherwise, and Uriah's is going to jump in as a co-host. So Uriah, thank you for coming today. How are you doing?
1: Hey guys, it's a, uh, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be here and uh, thanks for the shout out and, and whatever I can do to help with the pod, the website, that's, that's what I'm here for.
0: Most definitely we appreciate that. And you guys, I would really suggest checking out some of Uri's content on our website, com. He has gotten some good stuff on there. I really suggest reading it. It's a good read. And so we have a co- and your actually chose our subjects for today. And I wanna let let Chris go ahead and introduce the first of those subjects. Chris,
2: go ahead and take it away. So we're gonna start our off a little bit of fun here today. And we're just going to talk about which Sixer or which Sixers um, we would like to be in quarantine with, hypothetically. I'll let Uriah go first. Uriah, if you could pick any Sixer out of the sixteen-man roster right now, who would you pick? Wow, it's uh,
1: it's a tough one for me because there are so many unique personalities on this team. Embiid's my favorite player, and I really, really have grown to like Matisse. But I just feel like with Embiid, he plays a lot of video games, so maybe that wouldn't be the best. And Matisse is I know he's a lot younger than me. I don't know if I could connect with him. But I'd say the player that I would most likely want to quarantine with is Tobias Harris. Now, hear me out. Let me tell you why. I, I think Tobias, he's one of those players that he's gone through the NBA. He's, he's picked up some things here and there in all these different cities. And the one thing I've noticed about him when he's being interviewed or when he's just, you know, on the court with players, you watch how he conducts himself. I just really like how he comes across as like that cerebral type of player slash person. And he also has a pretty good sense of humor. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen when uh, he was given the rookie treatment to Matisse with the whole Popeye's biscuit ordeal. So I think for me, I think, Quarantining with uh, Tobias would be most interesting. What about you guys?
0: Oh, gosh. Okay, this is... You know, I've been I've been trying to think about this for all day because I, I was like, gosh, I got to pick somebody. For me, I think... <sighs> I, I still wasn't even settled on who I wanted to choose what, right before we started the podcast. So I think I'm going to have to go with Mike Scott, though. Mike Scott is that dude that just seems kind of like chill. You know, he he seems like he's up for whatever. For me personally, I, I could see me and him chilling, having a good time, maybe going out around Philly. You know, I just – I feel like – I don't know. I feel like he's the type of guy, you know, that I would like to hang out with. You know, I, you know obviously I can't use the same language that he uses, uh, you know, on this podcast <laughs> here. But, you know, I think <laughs> – he ain't I no. He, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I respect that. So I think, I think for me personally, I think it, and, you know Mike Scott, he's only Tobias. I believe is the closest to me in age because uh, I'm 27. I think he's 26. So I think you know that there's that connection. But I think I, I kind of like hanging out with the people a little bit older than me anyway. So I think I think Mike Scott might be that dude.
2: So. I kind of thought about this from two perspectives. The three names that I came up with in the end who really stuck out to me were Mike Scott, Tobias Harris, and Matisse, who have all been mentioned by you guys. If I had to really pick one, it would probably be Matisse. If we're lining up age like Lucas did, I'm closer to Matisse than probably anyone else on the team, Um, or him and Zaire, at least, and Sheik. I'm in that kind of on the younger end of the spectrum, I guess. You could also think about this from like a journalism slash responsible six-shift blogger perspective, or if you could spend two months in you know the same apartment as Joel Embiid, you could probably learn a good bit about one of the most important players, not only on this team, but in the NBA. And I thought that would be maybe an interesting perspective to take it from where you can just learn about Joel as a person, more about his workout plans, his activity in the house and away from basketball which has always been a really big topic of discussion. Um, Joel has always been a pretty big personality on the court. That's been doled down a bit the past year or so uh, for reasons that, that we don't really know. And he, he is really interesting because we've always thought of him as this big, loud personality, but he also is pretty reserved away from the court at this point. And he seems a lot like a homebody, a guy who likes to stay home. As Uriah said, he plays a lot of video games. So so I do think from that perspective it would be interesting to just get a look into Joel's life as a whole. But in terms of who I'd want to hang out with for two, three months or whatever it is, I'd probably end up going with Matisse, though both Tobias and Mike Scott are two very interesting people who I'd probably find equal joy in hanging out with. So so I think you could go any which way
1: there. I think I think I could see you doing some TikTok videos with Matisse, Chris. I think you
2: guys would mm. have some fun doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. know, I haven't really gotten into TikTok. I don't have it yet. I've seen like videos on Twitter and stuff, but it's not really my speed. And I think just before we move on, guys,
1: I think um, it's funny you mentioned Mike Scott, both you guys. And uh, he's definitely has that personality. He's that dude in the room. And it's funny, It's uh, I think it was the first win that the Sixers had this year. It might have been against Boston or one of their early wins. Tobias was being interviewed by, I think, Serena Winners And and Mike Scott came up behind him and kind of, I guess, photobombed him and was kind of poking fun at him because they came over from the Clippers together. And he's like, yeah, he likes to read books. And I enjoy reading a lot myself. So I think I could connect with Tobias in that aspect. Just, just that – that that guy that you'd probably have a lot to talk about, you know, if you're stuck in the house with someone for a couple months.
0: So, yeah, no, Chris, I actually thought of Joel Embiid as well. And the reason being is because I – not for the same reason. So I think it was because primarily because he's a post player. I used to play in the post in high school even though I'm only 5'9", 5'10". You know, I thought that would have been fun to do some one-on-one work with him even though I know for a fact he destroyed me in the post, you know but I, I think it would be fun to learn from somebody who's one of the best post players in the NBA. But at the end of the day, I think personality wise and just me who I would like to chill with, I like chilling with guys kind of like Mike Scott. So I enjoy that more, but I want to go ahead and move on to our next subject here. And our next subject, we're going to talk about where are the Sixers in the process? Uriah, do you, do you think the process worked?
1: Well, I, I think it's still evolving clearly. But if he just asked me flat out, I would just say no. <laughs> and just full disclosure, I was never really for Hinky's plan. And uh, I remember six, seven years ago, I actually went to some of the process games. And it was just, it, it was tough. It was tough to get through. And at the time, I felt like the Sixers had a nice young core. They could have really kept a lot of those players that they got rid of. And it, it really ticked me off. To know that we had given up so much, and in return we've had nothing but drama, right? The past couple of years, it's been fun. It's been a roller coaster. But check out these names, guys, right? So you have Drew Holiday, Nick Vucevic, Andre Iguodala, Lou Williams. If they would have kept those four players, and Hinkie would have never gotten into office, I think this franchise would maybe in even a better place where we are now because if you look at subsequent drafts, right, between 2015 and 2019, we could have snuck a, a, you know, a late first round pick like a Clint Capella or a Montrez Harrell or Siakam or Karis LeVert. And I think this team still would have been structured pretty good. Now we may not have Joe and Ben, but as of right now, if you think about all the busted picks, like Okafor and Fultz, MCW, and then, of course, the Twitter fiasco with Colangelo. Uh, I mean, are we really in a, a better place because of the process? And I, I just don't think it's worked right. I don't think it's worked as at this point. What do you guys think?
2: Chris, any thoughts? Yeah. I, I As Uriah said, I do think it's evolving. I don't think we'll know for sure until probably – at least a few more years in the future when we can look back and question whether or not this core has won a championship. I think it is at some point going to be championship or bust. The way I look at it is kind of like the Justice League movie with Zack Snyder and the Snyder Cut, which has been in the news a bit lately. You know, Zack Snyder was able to put, kind of build, and accumulate all the pieces for that movie, but he didn't get to put those pieces together. And the final product wasn't fully his. And then that movie flopped big time. And now we get the Snyder cut coming out on HBO next year. And I, that's kind of how I view it with Hinky, where he, he put all the pieces on the roster, but he didn't get to build the final product. And we won't really get to see the Hinky cut of this roster just because he didn't get to finish it. So it's really hard when you're trying to place blame between him and Colangelo and Elton Brand. When you just look at it from the fact that I think the whole point of Hinky's plan was to, A, create financial flexibility And B, build a really strong young core. I think he did that. Joel and Ben, one of the best young duos in the league, if not the best young duo in the league. You know, obviously that was a success. But as far as how those resources have been used with cap space now dried up, with all those major draft picks now in the review mirror, where has it left the Sixers? It's Tobias Harris, pretty big-time overpay. Uh, for Tobias Harris, with $180 total over five years. The Al Horford contract, which in year one looks dreadful. Josh Richardson hasn't really lived up to the hype that he had coming in this season. So when you look at it from that perspective, with where the Sixers are right now, with all those resources from the process essentially dried up, and the roster kind of solidified for the immediate future, It doesn't look great. I don't think that can really be blamed on Hickey because it's just, they weren't his moves. It it really comes down to how Colangelo and how Elton Brand have handled those assets. Yeah. I think in the end, it's still a work in progress, but the prognosis isn't great right now just because the Sixers have kind of put themselves in a difficult position.
0: So, yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree with you, Chris, in the fact that I think Colangelo did get the right pieces. And I want to, Name off some people that were on the Sixers roster before Colangelo and uh, Brand, you know, shipped them off for other pieces, and where the Sixers roster could have looked like today if the Sixers could, would have kept those players: Jeremy Grant, mm-hmm. Rashe- Rashawn Holmes, T.J. McConnell. Those are just three names. Uh, Darius Arch, Robert Covington. Could you imagine the type of depth the Sixers would have had? And I'm, you know, I'm not even blaming Brand for the the Jimmy Butler trade. I think the Butler trade didn't sacrifice anything too much because you still Darius Sarch was coming up on his rookie extension. Sixers probably weren't going to pay both Sarch and Ben, so it made sense to get rid of Sarch. Uh, Jeremy Grant's gonna has a player option this year, so he could be a free agent. But you know, he didn't make a lot of he didn't his contract wasn't too big. Robert Covington was on a steal of a deal. So I think when you look at it like this, I think the process would have... I, I'm, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say the process is over, but I feel like the process is over because I feel, like you said, Chris, we're kind of stuck with this roster now. And, you know, I, you know as much as I would like to think the process isn't over until we get a championship, I kind of feel like the process is over now and this is what we got. You know, the misses of Fultz, I don't think anybody expected his shoulder to end up the way that it did. Yeah, Jaleel was just a big miss. I don't think anybody could really expect that. I think I think they should have traded him his rookie year, but you know, they had to get somebody to make you score buckets, right? So in that regard, I just the Sixers had depth. They could have had a lot of depth. Especially if Noel would have bought coming off the bench a season or two earlier. But you know, if he would have bought coming off the bench could you imagine a one-two punch of Duel and Noel coming off the bench moving forward? Because that's what he's doing for OKC. See. So, anyway, I forgot to mention Noel on that, that little uh, stretch. But yeah, <laughs> Ner- nerland's Noel. So, yeah. you know, could you just imagine the depth? And I think the process worked in finding players that could have added depth. But I think other GMs just got too impatient, wanted to get a finished product out there. And like the Jeremy Grant trade, Grant wasn't a stretch four at that stage. And he's still not a perfect stretch four, but he can hit shots outside now. But they were trying to get a, a, a stretch four that could fit next to Ben, I mean Joel at that point. The Sixers weren't contending, so I didn't see the point of that trade. I mean, I guess now we have the 2020 Thunder pick. But we wouldn't have needed it if we didn't do the uh, Tobias trade, which – Let's not forget Landry Shamet. Could you imagine the heir apparent of JJ Redick on the roster still? You know, and I'm not busting to buy his hair straight. I thought getting Harris was was good too. I don't like what we gave up or mainly mainly Shamet, but
1: yeah, Shamit's going to be a player. I, I it was tough for me to see him go and and he's thriving out there in that system with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. But it, we're like you said Chris, that 180 million looks like we're we're stuck with it.
0: I'm I'm not mad with Tobias as a player, and I understand why they had to overpay. It just seems either overpaying the trade or the contract, but they did both, and that seems a little unnecessary.
2: Yeah, so. and I think going back to something you said earlier, Lucas, you mentioned the Jimmy Butler trade, and I think if we asked this question in the middle of last season, or at the end of last season, after the Toronto series, if we asked the exact same question. I would probably have a much more optimistic point of view just because I I do think the Sixers got really strong value in the Jimmy Butler trade because as great as Robert Covington is, as much as we all loved Dario, Jimmy's a top 20 player in the league. And the Sixers were really close to the mountaintop last year. And it looked like if they had run it back, they would have had a real chance. I think they would have. And and with Jimmy, I, I think if we take his comments, um, You know, if we take him at his word, the Sixers probably could have re-signed him if they wanted to. And if the front office was just better organized, they had every chance to re-sign him and run it back, and they just chose not to. And I think that's a really bad look for Elton Brain. And I really think that shot them in the foot more than anything, because obviously the Al Horford thing hasn't worked out. Even the Josh Richardson thing, to an extent, hasn't really worked out. Uh, So I think if you had asked before last summer when Jimmy and Tobias and JJ all coming back was still a really solid possibility in most people's minds, I probably would have been a lot more optimistic about, you know, where the process quote unquote is going.
0: Uh, I I agree. And I think that was a failure of, you know, kind of the front office slash ownership because we don't know who said that about Butler. And to be clear, the comment that Butler was alluding, had alluded to in the J.J. Reddick podcast was essentially saying somebody asked Rep, head coach Brett Brown if he could control Jimmy Butler. And, of course, Jimmy Butler is not the type of player that would stand for that type of disrespect. And I can't say that I blame him in that regard if that was the case. you know, Again, we got to you know, take what you will about Jimmy Butler's comments, but can't say I blame him for not wanting to run it back. And it was surprising – That, you know, and Redick made it clear in the podcast too that the Sixers did make him an offer, but he felt like there was reading between the lines that the Sixers weren't going to break the bank trying to bring him back. Yeah, I think you're right. If the the Sixers could have ran it back this year, I think it would have been a much better situation. But it seems like, at least according to Butler's comments, it might have had to be under a different head coach because him and Brett Brown did not gel. But mm-hmm. so I want to—we got a little sidetracked there, guys. But I want to go on to our next point in this discussion. Are the Sixers built to contend moving forward? Uriah, your thoughts?
1: Well, I'll take where you guys were just talking about Jimmy Butler. If we would have kept Jimmy and we would have ran it back, I would say absolutely yes. And we would have been on a, a route to toward a championship. But since he's not here, he wanted to be in South Beach, chill, you know, chill out in Biscayne Bay, you know, more power to him. As the roster is built right now, guys, I can say that they are contenders, but I don't think that they're anywhere near ready to win a championship. Defensively, they we're a very good team. One of the top rebounding teams in the league. And a nice surprise came about recently with Matisse and Shake in the past couple of months stepping up and no one saw that coming. So that, that kind of adds a little bit of interest toward their contention. But the three things I want to break down for you real quick, guys, in terms of what I think that could really advance them and propel them to a multiple playoff series. Number one would be Embiid's health and conditioning. He can't be flopping around like he did last year or the year before, Getting hurt, getting tired, getting sick, it just can't happen. The second thing I want to add is, (laughs) no, it's the dead horse, right? Beat it like a dead horse. Ben shooting. If this guy with the new cornrows, I like his new look. I don't know if that means anything, but um, new look Ben, if he decides to shoot, even the 15, 17 footer is going to open up so much. Otherwise, playoff defenses are just going to sag on the perimeter like they did last year and then just going to form a wall, right, and block all the driving lanes. I won't hold my breath on him shooting. but And the third thing, I know Chris is not a big fan of, of Horford, but I think he's a key. The third key, stepping up and being that player that they envisioned him being when they signed him, I think if he is a leader in the locker room and in the playoffs, if they start playing next week or next month, and he brings production like hitting threes, rebounding, and defending, I think I think they can contend. I think they can maybe make the Eastern Conference Finals, but they're not beating the Lakers or the Clippers in seven. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I think I think those are all fair points. You're right, at. And, and I do think you're especially right about Porford being the key. You know, if he can have some magical rebirth in the postseason, then that obviously improves Philadelphia's chances quite a bit. He he can't be a total zero to the extent that he has been for a lot of this season. In the postseason, if he really wants to go anywhere. I think at this point, the Sixers are probably in that mix with Indiana, Miami, and Boston, kind of in the middle of the East. I think Milwaukee and Toronto are pretty clear favorites ahead of them right now. I think one thing that's going to be really interesting if this season does pick up at a neutral site like Walt Disney World with no fans is the Sixers have been really dominant at home this year. We all know that. If they could play every game at home, then they might be favorites for all we know. Uh, Their problems have really been sustaining their shooting percentages and their defense on the road. If it's in Disneyland, obviously they won't have the home crowd behind them, which is a big help, but they also won't have the opposing fans maybe dragging them down. So it'll be really interesting to see how their shooting holds up in an empty gym. Uh, That's just something that that's going to be key to them. That's a good point. That's a good
1: point, Chris. Very
2: good point. um, Yeah. I, I think they, as Uriah said, they're kind of mid tier contenders at this point. Like they, they have the talent obviously to make some noise. But just based on what we've seen from this roster, I don't think I can in good faith say that they're anywhere near favorites to, to really do anything.
0: So I've been thinking about this. And I think if you want to maximize this roster, I want you guys to follow this. Follow me on this for a minute because it's going to seem like a little bit of roller coaster. Yes, I think they're a mid-tier contender. But I also think if you want the most out of this team during the playoffs – you have to change the starting lineup even more than what Brett Brown had had planned to do during the season. Obviously, I think Horford has to be coming off the bench. You know, maybe you can play, depending on who you match up with in the playoffs, maybe you can play both Embiid and Horford together. Maybe you can't. It just depends on the matchups. But more importantly than that, besides Horford coming off the bench, now I want you guys, let me explain, because I know this is going to come off a little... A little diff a
1: little weird, but we're ready. You know, we're ready
0: to hit us You you're ready? Okay. Yeah. Start Glenn Robinson the third over Josh Richardson. Here's the reason why. Mm. The reason why is because you already have shake Milton as a third creator, shot creator, as in your starting unit, taking Horford's place, right? Him, Joel and Simmons will be the primary ball, you know, dominant players, right? So then, you need players that can play off the ball, right? You know, then you have Tobias Harris as well. If you have all these players in the starting unit that need the ball in their hands, like Richardson, like Tobias, like Ben, like Duwell, all needing the ball in their hands to work, it's the offense isn't going to go smoothly, and you're not going to maximize these players. You take an off the ball player like Len Robinson the third, who slashes and spots up threes put Richardson in the second unit to be a shot creator kind of like Alec Burks is that works better and while you could say oh well then just keep Shake Milton off the bench you could but i think Shake Milton helps fix a lot of the shot creating and the i think he's a better ball handler uh and you know offensive orchestrator than Richardson is so i think in that regard he fits better with Embiid and Simmons and helps relieve some of you know, the offensive issues between those two better than Richardson can, who has been inconsistent shooting this season. But Richardson in a six-man role, which he has done before in Miami, he can be the leader, clear leader of the second unit and help offset some of the ball-handling uh, duties from Burks, who has struggled as the lead guard off the bench. I think that could maximize the bench in him, and Horford can have a much more dynamic two-man game coming off the bench. That's my thought. I think that could help the Sixers in the playoffs moving forward.
1: That's a good hot take you got there, buddy. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. I thought you might have said shake coming off coming in. But uh, hey, if if you think Glenn Robinson can can be that player and you know give him a chance to prove himself, I know he he was off to a cold start when he got traded here, but you never know. Brett might do something like that in the playoffs. And to Chris's point, <laughs> they're going to need some shooting, especially if not, they're not going to be at home. That that actually scares me, Chris, the fact that you brought that up. Uh, I didn't even think about that. We're such an f- <laughs> unstoppable opponent at home, but on the road, they just flat out suck. So we'll see how it goes.
2: Yeah, I think I think just to, to touch on Lucas's point about Josh Richardson, I don't know if I, I'd be comfortable moving him from the starting five. I think he brings too much defensively, especially in, in, in a playoff series where his, his on-ball defense is going to be really valuable. But uh, I think one solution to what Lucas brought up in terms of keeping playmakers on the floor and, and maybe not having too many ball-dominant guys um in the rotation at once is you're probably going to have to ratchet up minutes for the important guys. So you can probably stagger Shake and Josh to where they kind of trade off every now and then, kind of similar to what we've seen with Al and Joe uh, when the rotation is healthy, um, just, to, just to kind of keep those guys in their own little bubbles. And then you can close games with them, obviously, because I, I don't think Josh is quite as ball dominant as maybe you're making him out to be, because I I think he's at his best when he's kind of working in a complimentary role where he's not asked to to do a lot of ball handling. I think that's where we've seen him drive the most. I think that's where the Sixers really need to maximize him more. So I don't know if I would bring him off the bench, but I I do think there's some rotational tweaking that Brett is going to have to do when the postseason hits.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Like I know, it's kind of a hot take, but like, I just, I feel like if you want some more roster balance and having a, The bench has been kind of an issue for most of the season, and I understand what you're saying about his on-ball defense during the playoffs. But, you know, at the same portion, at the same point, neither Shake Mill nor Glenn Robinson III are weak defenders. Uh, So, you know, and they're still better. I would say they're still better defenders than Tobias Harris, who's clearly the weakest defender in the starting five at the moment. But, you know, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, getting that legit – like 14-point-a-game score coming off the bench, still playing starter-level minutes, you know. And maybe you could stagger them a little bit more, like you said, but I think – I don't know. I see – I could see it working, but that's just my opinion. I understand that you guys obviously have different takes on that. But I Mm – speaking of different takes, I want you guys to give me your take about the duo of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid moving forward.
1: Well, as of right now – They've come a long way. There's a lot of controversy. I was talking to my neighbor today and he's wondering if Embiid's going to be around next year. And, you know, no one knows, but I think that they're just coexisting right now. I don't think that they're thriving. You know, I would love to see them have a Scotty Pippen slash Michael Jordan relationship. One of those on court relationships where they complement each other they accept their roles while they play together, but at the same time, maybe sacrificing some aspects of their game so that they can be the best duo in the league and just pile up win after win. Because I think they're the, they're the glue, they're the motor that keeps this, this thing running. And it's funny, when they get on camera, they say the right things about each other. They try not to cross each other, and that's great. But on the court, they have to elevate their game because if not, then it's just going to be the same old song each playoff series that comes unless there's a big maturity um, growth, but I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys see?
2: Yeah. I, I think you bring up a good point with them. They obviously don't elevate each other on the court. I don't think it's the kind of partnership, at least right now, where they are going to improve each other. But I I do think we have evidence of them being very successful as a duo. Just their first year together when it was Dario, Rocco, and JJ, the Sixers had pretty much the best starting five in basketball (coughs) numbers-wise. Last season, the same thing, even after Jimmy and Tobias were brought on. The Sixers, when they built the roster well around Joe and Ben, when they've had shooting, when they've had a little bit of extra playmaking, they've been really good. I think this season – the problems with their fit have been maybe amplified a bit more just because the roster is so poorly built around them. Obviously, Al has struggled. The floor spacing isn't nearly as good. There's not as much mobility around them. and I think that has hurt a lot. So I think it's really on the Sixers front office to put the right guys around Joe and Ben, to, to not build necessarily for some juggernaut defense. Or, or You have to build around Joe and Ben Simmons, who are in my mind, at this moment, two top twenty, top twenty-five guys in the league. Joel is probably top ten. They're both really good, even if they don't complement each other necessarily. They're both good enough to win a championship together. They're just too talented not to work. If you build the right, if you put the right pieces around them, I'm very confident that they can work and that they can win together. So it really just comes down to Elton Brand and his guys in the front office putting shooters on the floor, putting some extra ball handlers around Joe and Ben so they can run more pick and rolls. It also comes down to Brett maybe using Ben a bit better, putting him off ball more, which we saw a bit uh, this season in last postseason with Jimmy. So there, there are a lot of factors at play here, but I, I'm very confident overall that they can work, and it's really just on the front office to make it work. Like I don't think you should trade either one. I don't think that should be even a consideration. I think both are untouchable in my view. It's it's getting rid of Al if you can. It's maybe splitting Tobias into smaller players who fit better. I don't know what the solution is, but I think you have to move the pieces around them and see if that'll work before you even consider, you know, trading Ben or trading Joe.
0: So, yeah, Chris, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I wouldn't trade either one of them right now. Earlier this season, I was thinking about it. You know, me and you had – and. uh our uh, our boss, Josh, we, we had, you know, group conversations about it. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm against moving them. And the reason why – and it goes back to uh, the first game that Al Horford was benched against the Clippers. Not benched, but moved to the uh, – moved into a reserve role, And you know what I loved, what I saw in that game? Is that Brett Brown – and I'm surprised this isn't ran more often, but – Ran a deep pick and roll with the pick and roll starting on the block, and that kind of basically Ben and Joel are almost unstoppable once they get in the paint. If you run the pick and roll that close to the paint, doesn't matter. One of them is going to score. Ben's a good enough passer to hit Joel on off the screen, or Ben can take it to the rim himself with one yeah, of.
1: His I, I remember those seeing shots. those. Those plays, Lucas, those those were well drawn up plays and and it's kind of unstoppable. I think that's a good point you make. So,
0: you know, you can run Ben in the pick and roll. It has to be a deep pick and roll with Joel. And then, you know so and to you know, people will say, Oh, well, if Ben starts taking jumpers and you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, everything will be fixed. I don't think it's gonna be fixed, especially even if he takes jumpers this uh off season which in a previous podcast me and Chris both spoke on the fact that we don't believe that's gonna be the case or it won't be happening very often um, even if he does teams are still gonna bet on him missing them versus making them they're gonna treat him like LeBron until they he pulls a LeBron and makes makes them pay so they're gonna you know even if like I said I think it'll take a season or two before team it, Team start respecting his jump shot. One, when he, whenever he starts taking that jump shot.
1: But they they haven't so, seen they haven't seen Cornrow Ben yet though. He's got the Cornrows. That's true. There. He's gonna come back a different true. man. He's he's that maybe man, he's if he's Iverson. I don't know. That would be that would
0: be special. But my my point still stands. I wouldn't trade either one of them. I think Chris hit it on the head. You have to trade the parts around him. I'm more inclined to trade Horford before I am to trade Tobias. While well, I think. Tobias is overpaid. I think he's a nice compliment. He's a third, great third wheel to that team. I think you know he's the second leading scorer, but I think he's definitely the third wheel to that. And i I think that's the perfect role for him. I think his skill sets work nicely with it. I mean, granted, I would prefer him if he could create his own shot in the last like ten seconds of the game, but I'll take what I can get. And I think that's that's good for me in terms of what Tobias can bring. Like I said, contract's not great, but I can handle that based off of what he does for the team. I don't think Tobias was is a bad fit on. the team. Horford, on the other hand, you're paying oh, over a hundred million dollars for your backup center. That's not, no, mm-hmm. no. I'm good. Give me, give. Me, I'll take here. I'll I'll take somebody, anybody really. I'll even even attach one of the first our one of our first round picks to him if I have to. But that you know, obviously I'm not the GM here, but. I think Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons should work. I think before you even consider trading them, you fire Brett Brown, you get the right pieces around him. Hopefully, and, and, you know, I'm not sure if Elton Brand's really figured it out yet about how to make Ben and Joel work because he's still talking about getting defensive players first in this upcoming draft. But if he does figure it out, you know, that would be great. Uh, You know, I would prefer, you know, high volume shooters coming in the from the drop, you know, like a Shamet or like a Marco Bellinelli. And uh, can we say that Marco Bellinelli does not get enough credit for the Sixers success in two
1: two seasons ago. Bellinelli, I, I miss him. I miss him. We uh, you know, him.
0: obviously he's he's a he's a shell of his former self now in San Antonio, but you know, we still had him in his prime. So my my but my point is I think Joel and Ben can work and you know if this all gets fixed if, if Ben takes jump shots. We don't know when or if he will, but even if he doesn't, that's the easy fix. Though. The other way to get this to work is, you know, run more post screen, and rolls. Uh, and like Chris said, surround him with shooters and ball, uh, shot creators. That's what you got to do. I was actually hoping that the Sixers would try to go after Dion Waiters in the buyout Um you know, Mark, even though Dion has, you know, off-court issues, nobody can deny that he's a great shot creator, uh, a secondary shot creator and his score. So I thought he would have fit nicely in. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, Shake Milton becomes that. I think he can. I think he can become somewhat what we hope that Markell would become. Maybe not the athlete or pat, quite the passer athlete or, you know, quick twitch, you know, Player, but I think he can provide the shooting and enough ball handling playmaking to supplement what the Sixers hoped that Foltz was going to be.
2: All right, guys. And to finish up today's pod, we are going to dive into some Sixers history. We're going to do a quick snake style draft here and we're going to pick our all time starting fives for the Sixers. We're going to go in order one through three, Uriah, Lucas, then myself So with the number one overall pick, I'll hand it over to Uriah. Take the stage.
1: This is pretty easy. I have to go with the most dominant center in the history of the game. I'm going with Wilt the Stilt. Lock me in, baby. Wilt Chamberlain. I'll take him. Here's my center
0: gosh I hope you were you were gonna go new school, but then I have to remember <laughs> that you're older than me no, so I'm not of course older. you so yeah, so then of course you would go uh you' would go with Wilt, because I was totally hoping he would fall to me now I have a tough decision i'm gonna have to go i'm i think i'm gonna have to call the doctor dr J's coming
1: to my team oh. guys get your converse ready dr mm-hmm. j.
2: Very nice. Well, I guess that makes it – I don't know if it makes it easy, but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't pick Allen Iverson with the number three overall pick. So oh. I, I got to go I, AI.
1: He, I had a feeling he was going with AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, if he was on the board at three, I would have, clearly I would have taken him too.
0: Oh, yeah, same. It was a tough choice for me between Dr. J and uh, Iverson.
2: But Irving won a championship, so that's, you know. Yeah. And then I guess I have the number four pick as well. I'm going to add some firepower to the front court to go with Mr. Allen. I'm going to pick Charles Barkley, number Mm. four overall. Chris, Uh, I
1: have to say I I hate you right now.
2: I was
0: totally going – I was totally aiming for Chuck. I was too, man. I wanted Chuck so bad.
2: Well, That's
1: pretty good one-two punch right there, Chris.
0: Well, I guess I'm going to have to go with the last one-two punch that won a championship, but I'm going to
1: have to take Moses Malone here. Uh, I was going to say, you got to get these centers before they're scooped up. Moses. fo fo fo. All right, so I have my center covered. I have Wilt. Chuck's off the board. Iverson, I knew he wouldn't be there. I need a scorer from the perimeter. I'm going to go with Andrew Tony, the Boston mm. Strangler.
0: Okay. interest. Not like a bad choice. Uh, yeah, no, I he was one of the guys I was going to look for in a later round. But yeah, okay, I can dig it. You and, get another pick.
1: Yeah, I had to get another pick. Oh, man, it, <laughs> it kills me to say this. Uh, It's either Mo or Ben. Both good defenders. Mm, Mo will shoot a jumper, though. You know what? I'm going old school, baby. Give me Mo Cheeks. I'm showing my age right now, guys. (laughs) 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 I really am. Uh, Mm,
0: Now I'm in a sticky place. Do I go for perimeter score or do I go with a point guard? Because I'm not going to get a pick for another two picks here. Choices, choices, choices. Let's see here. Should I go for a floor spacer or should I go for a point guard? Well, I know, I know Chris loves Ben. And I don't think I have uh, options for floor spacers because I can take anybody in Sixers history for floor spacing. So I think I'm going to go ahead and get my point guard and I'm going to go with Ben Simmons there.
2: All right, so I believe I have the next two picks here. First and foremost, I'm going to round out my backcourt, go a little old-school here with Hal Greer, probably one of the top five sixers of all time in my book. I'm really happy to get him this late in the draft. I think he's a pretty dominant uh, two-guard to put next to A.I.,
1: uh, dude, was this his, name? his name is in the rafters in, in the Wells Fargo Center. So it's I a, was tempted.
0: I was tempted on Hal. I was tempted on Hal, to be honest, getting him with
2: the last pick. So that was a good pick up there, Chris. And then for my next pick, I'm just going to finish out my front court here. Got a little bit more new school. And I'm going to pick Joel. Put Embiid next to Ooh. Chuck. Add that defensive back drop. And I really like my team so far.
0: Can, we, can I say that I'm surprised that Joel dropped this far? Yeah, he just kind of slipped through the cracks there. Yeah, go figure, right? Um, so I guess it's my turn again. So I need to get some shooting next to uh, – get some shooting in that front court. And remember, we can take any of the all-time greats here and anybody that's in the record books for the Sixers, right? Yeah, so or I'm going to wear uniform. Anyone that wore a yeah, uniform, yeah. So I'm going to actually go with uh, JJ Redick
1: here, guys. Woohoo, sniper? Woo-hoo.
0: Yeah, I, not not I, necessarily considered a six. A six is great, but he is 6th all time and made three pointers in Sixers history, despite only playing two seasons with the franchise. Wow. So he will help floor spacing for sure in that regard. And Ben and Dr. J can more and cover up for his defensive liabilities.
1: I'm not mad at that pick. We were just talking about him off, off the air with mm-hmm. a reddick being, what'd you say? Look, um, he's sixth worth? all time and three point makes and seventh in attempts. All right. Let's see. I'm on the board. So as you look at my roster, I have a lot of older players, and I want to I wanna get some young energy in there. And this pick is going to be controversial because, like Reddick, this player that I'm thinking about was only here for a cup of coffee. And when he was here, he probably was neck and neck, one of my, my favorite sixter next to Joel Embiid. And I know it sounds crazy, but I just need a clutch shooter. I need someone that's going to hit a sh- – that's gonna get you a bucket when you need it. You need someone with a grit, someone who's a leader. I'm. Don't kill me, guys. I, I think I'm gonna go Jimmy Butler. Dang. Oh, yeah. That was my pick. Oh, no. I didn't even think of. <laughs> I didn't even think of Jimmy. That was
0: that's a steal right there. Uh, I, I have to.
1: I have to. Mm. So oh, that Chris. that
0: that was a that, that was a
1: good one there. That's good. Ah. Oh, man. So, let's see. Butler is my small forward. So, I need another forward that will round out my my roster. Man, who can I? Well, Wilt's going to grab every stinking rebound. So, I'm not really worried about another banger down low. So, you know what? I I, I need another good defender. Or do I want to get a scorer? Mm. You know what? I'm going with Bobby Jones. I'm going with Bobby. Oh. I like it i was thinking of bobby
0: why you got to do that to me man (laughs) there's some good players
1: left lucas
0: yeah i know i'm i'm i i gotta i gotta look here for a second now because i'm i'm having a problem here i'm trying to figure out who i want here isaiah cannon (laughs) (laughs) i don't think he can play power forward Okay, I'm trying to decide between these three, and I'm having a rough time my My choices are right now is Chris Weber, though he's not in his prime by the time he gets to Philly, so I'm not sure if I want Chris. Wow I forgot Webb played George McGinnis and Dolph Shafe uh, and shares those <laughs> those are my two my two choices. Um, hmm let's see Moses Malone is my my center. So I need somebody that can do a little bit more than just, okay. Uh, he actually didn't shoot too I'm going to have the, oh, gosh. I think both of them are in the Hall of Fame, so that doesn't really help me here. Let us see. Or you can go Billy Cunningham, Kangaroo I Kid. C- <clears throat> I could go Billy Cunningham. I could. You You just made my choice that much harder. Thank you. <laughs> Let me see here. So, after so after much inner turmoil, I've decided to go ahead and go with George McGinnis here. Uh, he's my choice, hands down.
1: He has to be. George McGinnis. So. That's a good pick. Mm-hmm. Solid.
2: All right. So, I'm in a pretty tough spot here with regards to my fifth player. I need – Someone else on the wing next to Hal and AI. I'm tempted to add some shooting here. Hershey Hawkins is really appealing, but in that instance, I have three players who are 6-3 and under, which worries me a bit. Uh, um, this is probably going to upset a lot of people, especially a lot of the, the history buffs in the Sixers fandom, but... He's not the best player available, but I'm probably going to have to go with Roko here. Oh. Uh, I think he's too, no. too good a fit to pass up.
0: Man, I understand it because I did the same thing with J.J. Ruddick. I, I get it. Like, you know, he wasn't the best one available, but he's he fits. He helps
1: a lot of my spacing issues, so you, I, I get it. You might get some hate fan mail for that last pick, Chris.
2: <laughs> you hey, might want hey, to hey, shut hey. down your yeah, Twitter account for a
1: little bit.
2: <laughs> In terms of hate mail, (laughs) Jimmy might be the the main.
1: All right, touche, touche. I'll give you that, Mm -hmm. touche. That was fun, guys. That was that was exciting.
0: Yeah, I think we have a pretty good squads. I wonder, I wonder uh, how. Why don't we all
2: uh, read off our rosters real quick, and then we can head out. Cool. Cool. There, you're
1: right. You go first. You tell us who you got. All right, here five. we go. Here we go. Starting at center, we have from Philadelphia, attending Kansas University. All right. Let me just cut the crap. All right. Wilt Chamberlain is my center. Andrew Tony is my shooting guard. Mo Cheeks brings the ball up, runs the break. He's my point. Uh, Jimmy buckets. I had to pick him because I just love his game. I know he walked and didn't want to be here, but it's all good. He's on my team. And rounding it out, I have Hall of Famer, defensive extraordinaire, Bobby Jones. For mine, I got
0: point guard Ben Simmons, shooting guard J.J. Redick, the doctor himself, Dr. J at the small forward position, George McGinnis as our starting power forward, and at center, the big
2: man himself, Moses
0: Malone.
2: All right, so my starting center is Mr. Joel Embiid. My power forward is the Brown Mound of Rebound, Charles Barkley. Plenty of firepower there on both ends, in my view. On the wing, I got Robert Covington, the perfect 3 and D complement. Then my backcourt consists of Hal Greer and Allen Iverson, maybe the two greatest guards in Sixers history. Very, very happy with my team. I think we all got some pretty good rosters here.
1: Oh, most deaf guys. Most deaf. I love my team. A little jealous of that mm-hmm. AI, Barkley, and B trio, but hey, you, that's your dream.
0: I, I honestly feel like Chris's team is the most balanced, Yeah, to be honest. I feel like it, his team would translate the best to the modern NBA. Oh, yeah. I feel like my front court might have a little problem. I feel like my team would have problems spacing outside of Redick.
1: Yeah, Doc wasn't known for his perimeter shooting. But he'll dunk on you in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, Ben. (laughs) That's right, yeah, Ben. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. That's a tough lineup. Yeah, fair point.
0: Well, I was going for pizzazz and some size, and I realized that I need a little bit of shooting, so that's why I went with Redick there. But, yeah, nah, definitely could have probably done a little bit better in making my team more modern-day friendly.
1: You but, could uh, took Isaiah Cannon, like I told you, but you left him out man, there. Man, <laughs> you know,
0: what? I, I after I made the pick for Power Forward, you know who I thought would have been a perfect complement to it? It could have been Tobias Harris.
1: Tobias, yeah. Yeah, I like Tobias.
0: Could, That's
1: my quarantine buddy. That's my quarantine buddy. <laughs> well, it's been fun, guys. We got to do this again soon. Most
0: definitely. I think we definitely had a fun podcast here. I think we had a lot of fun subjects. Thanks for
2: coming on again, Uriah. Chris, you want to go ahead and uh, play us out? Thanks again, guys, for listening. As always, you can follow us, subscribe, iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, wherever you are listening from. Go ahead and give us a review. Hit that subscribe button. Tune in every week. We are here. And we are going to bring you some Sixers content during this quarantine. Yeah, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks a ton for listening. And we'll see you soon.